You are now listening to the Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Frigera, your Soul Powered Executive Coach. This podcast is designed to make soul power a normal topic of conversation. What makes us divine and how can it empower your life and business? For season three, we are diving deep into the stories of entrepreneurs and business owners who powered through the 2020 lockdown and emerged even stronger. So get ready to be inspired, get ready to be empowered, get ready to take action as we explore how to elevate your soul power and create success no matter what. Welcome to Soul Power to the People podcast. My name is Tess Vergara, and I am in the presence of a beautiful soul. She's all the way in Canada, but I met her through a mastermind group that is led by someone in Australia. So, Susie, welcome to Soul Power to the People podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Well, I'm so glad to be here. And isn't it just so wonderful that we're talking like this across two countries and that we have all these beautiful colleagues in Australia? Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's remarkable. And thank you for having me. Yes. You know, since COVID, I haven't been, I didn't feel it was safe to openly talk about my views (laughs) on the pandemic, on the lockdown. But I feel everyone, whether whatever they their beliefs are, whatever their choices were during those times, people are getting are, are really antsy to get back together in person. I was like thinking, how come I don't miss the the in-person communities because I have our wonderful group, the Brilliance Realm. I'm really so grateful for that. I don't know what I would have done in my business had it not been for my access to the online world. And that's those are the things we're going to talk about today, Susie. Can you please introduce yourself? I'm interested to know about your business before 2020 and then during 2020, what challenges there were. So my name is Susie Giddy. I'm a life coach. I, uh, I live in Nova Scotia, Canada, right by the sea the challenge. Well, the funny thing is, I think I was affected, but in a good way, because of my business is global. I have life coaching clients all over the world, which is just such a charming and beautiful part of it. You know, so I could be talking to people in Australia, like our cohort is, or Africa, or down in the Caribbean, you know, and I, I find that to be such a personally enriching experience. I don't know how you feel, but just like about our Australian cohort, like to see the kangaroos hopping around Vanessa's, right? Or to hear that, you know, Johnny's in 43 degree weather. It just makes it so real. But to answer your question, for me, I think that the lockdown and the pandemic kind of normalized what I was doing anyway, which was working virtually. All my clients were virtual. So it made it feel like people were no longer able to ask to see me in person, person, person. And then others who hadn't been working virtually or hadn't been operating virtually, this just became the new norm. And now it is the norm. So in that way, it affected me, but in a good way. And I was also able to use that opportunity to further my studies, further my skills, right? So taking different, adding tools to my tool chest as a coach. I believe it was during that time that I uh, really started digging into trauma, right? And in trauma work, it really wasn't or hasn't been an issue. That's amazing because you live in an island. You're uh, well. Do you live in the island, or you just happen to have an island? I just happen to have one. Yeah, but Nova Scotia <laughs> is all but an island. Right? We just have a little tiny strip of land, really, that attaches it to the rest of Canada. Otherwise, we would be an island. So I live in a pretty remote place. Yeah. Can you talk to us more? Okay. So here's the thing, uh, Susie. I you struck me as very 
um, community-driven person, that you're there in the community. And then I see pictures of your island. So there's like, are you isolated or are you with people? What's the deal? <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that excited me about being on your show is I actually think that I do live a very soul-powered life. Maybe we all have a different understanding of what that is, but I'll give you an example of what it is for me. One day, my husband and I were driving. We had been looking for a country property for many years, but we were kind of finicky about what we wanted it to be. We didn't want it to be too far from our home, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we were literally driving on this country road around the lake, and I saw a tiny and I do mean tiny little sign that said law and island for sale. And my husband was like, how can you even see that? Right? It was so tiny. <laughs> so we stopped. He stopped the car and I called and they said, because I had always wanted an island. I don't know. I, I, I had just always wanted an island. I didn't and think so, it was possible, but that must be what you are exposed to over there. You must know somebody who owns an island over there. Well, we have, we have a lot of islands. Like we have, our island is in the lake, but we also happen to have, because we're, like I said a couple minutes ago, we're basically surrounded by water here, by the Atlantic Ocean, by the Bay of Fundy. So there are a lot of islands. Um, so we stopped the car and I called the number and I said, and the guy said, yeah, well, I'll come show you the island and the, and the piece of property. And he came and we bought it. That the, We have an island and a little lake property. But that's kind of what I mean about what for me is soul powered. It's like when, when everything lines up, what you want to do with your heart, your mind, and your body, then these kind of things like buying an island happen. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You are tapped in, tuned in. You are accessing directly to the source of power that gives birth to babies, that make things happen. People call it quantum consciousness. People call it God. Whatever the soul power is, it's the connection with the, the highest possibility that for myself, I can't even think of, but because of that sacred desire in us, instead of pushing away, instead of being run by fear, instead of saying that's not possible, we're tapped in, tuned in, and we're functioning from the level of soul and it sees uh, beyond what the mind can see. So uh, thank you for sharing that story. I'm so jealous now. I have not been to Nova Scotia. I lived in Canada for 10 years. Sh sharing that, uh, it kind of painted a picturesque uh, image for me. So thank you for that. Sure. And I just want to tell you this island, it's about the size of a football field, I would say. It's mm -hmm. not shaped like a football field, but now that is what you call a sacred place because nobody's ever heard it. You know, when you when you walk on it, like when you walk on it when there's no snow, there's probably a, several inches of moss that's never been hurt. So you feel sort of like you're walking on marshmallows. And mm. I'm telling you, Tess, there's no bad energy on the island. So nothing has ever hurt that island. Nothing has ever hurt it. So you're walking around, and I don't know if it's the absence of energy, because even our dog is kind of, you can tell when he goes on it, he feels the same thing. But you just, it's like you're so hard to describe. But you Yeah, how does the dog magic. react? Well, he's happy there, but he also just kind of bounces along. It's really quite remarkable. I hope one day you can come and see what I mean, because I and I'm just to. convinced that it's because there's no bad energy on the island. It's clean. It's pure. It's magical. It's amazing. Wow. And so you so, have your little piece of heaven on earth right there and, that's right and, and the island we preserve there's not we didn't build anything on the island on our little lot we built uh you know 
a little cottage that's sustainable, right? Like there's no power. It's all, it's all environmentally sustainable. So our whole idea is that these properties, but especially the island, are a place on Mother Earth that will never be harmed. Wow. That's amazing. I love it. I'm sure there's so much of that. There's restoration projects going on or restricted areas, but then we can't access it. You have your own access to your own piece of heaven. That's totally remarkable. And so do you go there to just walk around? There's, uh, Is there a house there? I'm really curious what it looks like. No, it looks like... Um... It's. I would say, like it, like I said, it's the size of a football field. It has beautiful evergreen trees, primarily evergreen trees. And as far as I know, there aren't really any animals there. Mm. Um, but it's it's just that it's just there's a tiny bit of a clearing, and in the summertime with the blue sky, it's bounces off the water it looks like diamonds literally looks like diamonds bouncing off the water we can either swim to it or we can stand up paddleboard to it or we can take the canoe over and in the winter time which we're just waiting for right now um, you can either skate or snowshoe over it's so oh that that's <laughs> fabulous and it sounds so ridiculous, but I just get such a kick out of saying I'm going to walk over to my island. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. So, yeah. So when you hold a retreat, you're planning to do a retreat there or on your lake and then possibly go to the island for a couple of hours. What what would that look yeah, like? Yeah, the lake when, for retreats, um, it is that we... We have things on the la- on the lot, right on the where the tiny house is. Do things there, and then we travel to the island for like forest bathing or meditations or yoga or just letting people follow their own noses over there, right? And just do what comes naturally to them. Yeah, so yeah. that's how we use the island for. I mean. I mean, like I have my own personal forest bathing place. <laughs> right? It's, yeah. How often do you go to the island, Susie? A lot. A lot. It's about um, 25 miles from our house. I can go there basically anytime I feel like it. So do you go from your lake house by water then to the island? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to get, yeah. <laughs> imagining it right now in a kayak how do i get to susie's house <laughs> yeah yeah but... you just paddle out there right yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah now is your I'm... lake house the one that was featured in the magazine no that's another house the lake okay. house is a tiny house that my husband and i built i'm quite proud of it because we built it by our by ourselves right like no electricity so no power tools we built the tiny house there and it's all sustainable composting toilet solar power all those kind of things and that is quite near to the island on the shore but then the house that you're talking about the heritage property house is in the city which is 25 miles away and tell me more about that I know it was in a magazine. What can you share? Well, see, I also feel like that's another example. If people want are interested in what soul power means, at least to me, many, many years ago, my husband and I were looking for a house and because we lived in a set of flats and it was just too crowded. So we're looking for a house. And at that time, there weren't many houses on the market. So one day, I was walking down the street with my girlfriend, bemoaning my fate that there were no houses. And she points, and I am not kidding, she points to the most dilapidated house that you've ever seen in your life. And she says, well, why don't you and Martin buy this house? And I look at it like there wasn't any glass in the front porch. And I say, this house is for sale. There's not even a for sale sign. 
And she says, well, that's because nobody wants it. So I, <laughs> I call my husband and I say, listen, I, I really don't want you to judge this, but let's go look at this house. Okay. And he is an architect. So oh, okay. very, very much like me, the word impossible doesn't really exist in our vocabulary. And here's the thing. I'm not exaggerating. We go in and it was the, it was inhabited by a, a, a slum landlord who had so many people in there. It was way past, you know, bylaws. But when we put our hand on the front door, we just knew that was going to be our house. We just knew. We looked past the garbage, the peeling paint, the leaking roof. I mean, there were rooms in that house that we didn't even find for a couple of months because they were full of garbage. I'm not exaggerating. And my husband kept saying, this is a very, very, very old house. And people would say, oh, no, you know, it can't be that old. The old houses this old aren't here. The oldest, because see, our house was built in 1790. And the next oldest houses around it were built in like, 1890. So everybody just thought that our house was 1890, except my husband, who would come up from the basement and say, you know, I found this beam and that beam. It's hand-hewn beams and this and that. Well, it turns out that he was right. It was built in 1790. Wow. By a man who was an abolitionist, and he freed slaves. He freed four slaves that are listed in the Book of Negroes. He was a big part of a, um, because when the Black Loyalists came to what's now Canada um, from what was the colonies, uh, they were promised like the land of milk and honey, right? They were promised land grants. They were promised freedom. They were promised no more slavery. They were promised all these things, Tess. And when they got here, actually, not at all far from where I am right now, they were just treated so badly that it's unbelievable. It's 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 like the white loyalists went to and they created a town. It's called Shelburne. The black loyalists were literally stuck in a little cove. 10 kilometers away and they didn't get houses they and they landed here like in december nova scotia wow. in december is one of the coast coldest places on the planet especially back then before global warming so this is what they did they dug holes in the frozen earth and made like cocoon looking shapes and covered them with boughs and that's where these people who were had been promised you know freedom had to live and then the white loyalists would walk the 10 kilometers and burn them down so the man that built my house uh, um, in after about four or five years of this struggle for the black loyalists they decided the guy who built our house decided on this project called the Sierra Leone Project, which, believe it or not, these poor people who've already been to hell and back, he went around and he said, like, this just isn't working, is it? You know, because we didn't have internet then, so he had to go along from community to community. And in January 15th, 1792, 15 sailboats, with 1,196 Black Loyalists went back mm. to Africa mm. from whence they had come, mm. right? To find mm -hmm. once again, to try to find peace. And that's mm -hmm. the guy who built my house. That's the guy wow. who built my house. And that's, that's when my husband and I put our hands on the doors, we had this such strong feeling that we had come home. And for many, 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 many years, people kept trying to tell us, 
it wasn't that old of a house. It wasn't that unusual of a house, but we just knew. So amazing. Goosebumps. And so uh, how soon did you inhabit the place or what have you done to it? Oh, and well, we bought why it. Why is it we, on the magazine? Oh, we bought it immediately. <laughs> immediately we bought it. And then we moved in. And we started working on it. I mean, it was so dilapidated that I remember calling him at work because I was trying to cook pasta for dinner and it was raining into the pasta pot. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so he came home and Now that's a that. picture. <laughs> yeah. We just worked on it and worked on it. And when I say we worked on it, I mean we worked on it. We weren't the kind of people that called contractors in. Like if we had to redo the roof, we did the re roof. And so in our city, probably like many places across North America, um, there's a lot of development going on and people are just knocking down houses and putting up big high rises. And we just really, really, really wanted to protect this house. We want to protect the house, we want to protect the story, we want to protect the history and the heritage. And so we applied for our house to become a heritage property. So when it's a heritage property, it's got a really pretty plaque on it that says the name of the house and the date that it was built. And it's you can't knock it down. It's not possible for it to be knocked down. That's And that was fairly recent. And that was why it's in the magazine, right? To tell the story, like mm. I just told you, of the Black mm. Royalists. And, um, so when you applied for it as a heritage, that's something that just happened. Yeah, we got the plaque. It came this past September, September of 2023. Right. Okay. So, you, oh, but how long have you been at that house? Mm, more than 30 years. That's awesome. So go back to the part where you're telling me about the roof and leaking into your uh, spaghetti. I mean, Oh, yeah, I've I'm not exaggerating. When I say it was dilapidated, I'm not kidding. Like the, the roof leaked. There literally was a room that we had no idea that it was a room. No idea that it was a room. Because when we opened the door, there was just stuff in it. I used to kind of laugh or chuckle or groan and say, I hope there wasn't a body in there. Well, it turned, <laughs> out it, it turned out, you know, as we made our way through the house, cleaning it up and starting to make repairs, it turned out that it was a whole bathroom, a whole other bathroom that we didn't know that we had. But it was filled literally from floor to ceiling with garbage, and we were too scared to look in it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because going back to what you're talking about, soul power, it's just a deep inner knowing and it's goosebumps. And I love that you are paired with a wonderful husband that would say yes to your crazy ideas or even, you know, entertaining, you know, don't judge me, but I just want to look at this. What had you even pick up the phone and, and tell him that there's such a property, uh, what was going through in your mind? Well, that's a good question. I think it was things like I knew that we liked fixing up places, you know, both of us just love working with our hands. It was available. And the house, the house is the kind of house that has two store, two staircases. Like you go in, there's a front staircase and then there's a back staircase. And I had always wanted um, a big, spacious house. You know, the a movie comes to mind. The War of the Roses. I, I think it's um, something similar. They acquired this property and they worked on it and they worked on it. And it was, you know, ended up being so beautiful only for them to trash it in the end. Because they were yeah, I think I saw that because they were battling. Didn't someone fall through a ceiling or a chandelier or something like that? Yeah, yeah. And so, so these, I'm trying to um, distinguish, you know, going in there from a soul-powered 
knowing versus, wow, this is beautiful. We're going to work on it together only to contribute to your own demise. It's, you know, when your fear kind of got into that couple and they just ended up tearing each other. It's War of the Roses, the title. So I love the energy, both of you and your husband going in there as partners. Nothing is impossible. And when, since taking over the place, since moving in, (laughs) when did you actually say, I'm proud of this house with all everything that you've done to it. I think from the moment that we bought it. I mean, yeah, because oh, we even with the leaks and and yeah, no, even we would. It, it, like my best friend says, it's remarkable because she went to see it and she's like, "Oh dear God!" Uh-huh. <laughs> but she describes it as we saw something that nobody else saw. It was like we both had on a rose-colored pair of glasses. But I've always thought it was more like we felt something that nobody else felt. It's just I bet you anything, that's why you're a wonderful coach. You see beyond (laughs) the blemishes. You see beyond the flaws. And you see the possibilities in where you're taking your client is the possibility that they have not even thought of. To be able to see and feel that, I think, is probably a gift. Maybe you're right. Of course I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you are. I'm kidding. (laughs) From a subtle forward sense, of course I'm right. (laughs) But the minute I said it, I'm like, that sounded arrogant. No, it didn't. I I feel like, isn't that one of the whole points? That is exactly the point of the conversation. If you're living a soul-powered life, by its very definition, you must be right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I was kidding around with the whole arrogance thing, but that's that's what people have to repress and suppress is this knowing that there's more out there waiting for them. But they can't go it, go for it because they are repressed and suppressed. And who am I to uh, desire that much? Yeah, the whole point of this conversation is to normalize soul power, to really bring heaven on earth, to really bring our divinity into our physical body. I, I believe it's, from my experience, I'm just going to talk about my experience. It's there, it's sustainable, it's amazing. Before, it wasn't. Before it wasn't sustainable for me, it was just a dream. But the more I step into it, the more I explore the idea of being soul powered, of my soul really fully here in my body. I, I was explaining to uh, I was a, a guest yesterday at an interview, and she asked me about soul. And before, when I was a lot younger, how I felt my soul was like a balloon with a very, very, very long string. And my soul is way over there. I'm aware that I have a soul, but I feel such loneliness and disconnect. I didn't know it was my soul that I was longing for. And I felt that all through my life, I was tugging at the string of that balloon closer and closer to my heart until I can fully say, I love my soul and my soul is the light of God. And I, you know, I want to be the more that I'm here to do on earth. And because without that, I'm just this anguished soul uh, that is yearning to come home. So that's, and I want to thank you for all the examples of soul power from your experience. I love it, uh, Susie, because you've been, Living it, even from the knowledge of a dilapidated house or having your own island. So was there something in your past or how you grew up that influenced that? How, How did you get so tapped in to your soul power? Isn't that a good question? Of course, (laughs) because we all have this journey of coming back home to us. And so were your parents influential to it? Did you just know a lot of um, some of the guests that uh, have 
been on this show, they had a knowing of it, but then they turned it off because it was not safe. And then they ended up in a mental institution, you know, all the voices. Uh, yeah, because they got so separated from their own gifts. And and um, it's, it's uh, poo-pooed and made wrong to have intu- intuition and uh, and to function from an intuition, to function from our psychic abilities. And those are the things that I've only been exploring, having been an accountant for 30 years, a very fixed, rigid mindset, until I broke open to accept this whole side of me. But what was the process for you? How did you come into the knowledge and experience of your own soul power? Well, there's two things. One is I grew up in an exceedingly dysfunctional and really cruel household of two, not one, but two alcoholics. And I Mm. think from a very, very early age, I learned about soul because I learned that there was way more to me and to life that was going on inside of me um, than was going on in my dysfunctional family of origin. That's one thing. And then I truly believe that my husband and I are slash were soulmates. So together, our love was is so pure in the way and and by pure i mean really wanting and living our absolute best lives from a place of love and so i think that when you're living like that like all i have ever wanted for him is is because I kind of believe that we're all creatures of the universe and that our job on earth is to live the best life that we can. So I have always wanted for him that he get to live the best version of his life that he can. And that is what he's always wanted for me. So when you live in that kind of love where you're both giving and receiving this most pure love that I think is possible for two humans to have, I think it helps your soul soar. So, I mean, I could give you, like, you know about our dog, Rufus, right? I know, tell tell the audience. (laughs) Well, you know, my husband and I were riding on this little scooter because we lived also another soul powered experience is we followed our dream to move to the Dominican Republic and we lived there you for did. quite a while. When was this? We went in 2009 and we stayed there until 2017 when we followed another dream. 2009 to had- 2017. So you left the three properties? Uh-huh, we did. Because All three, if I'm following you correctly. Yep. And we have a little condo there that we also turned. It was also a property that nobody wanted, but we turned it into a beautiful little tropical jewel. And wow, you're, you're both builders. I tell mm. you about this soul experience is our dog. So we were driving our little scooter one day down a beach road. And two bad guys, mafiosos, came the other direction. And they attacked us with a gun and a knife. They put the gun in Martin's head and they tried to cut my fingers off with the knife. And eventually, that's not the actual point of the story, even mm-hmm. though it is part of it. That, it was, that was violent. That's hard to even hear. Yeah. I know. And um, so. Eventually, when we were all mended medically, we decided to go for a run on the beach because we're both marathon runners. And <laughs> he, Martin appeared with a machete in his running shorts. And then I said, are you okay, sweetie? And he's like, yep, yeah, fine. Okay. And I was like, okay, well then, you know, thinking that he didn't really want to be bothered. So we go to the beach, our beach shaken up, traumatized, 
and Tess, I am not exaggerating. There on the beach is this dirty, scruffy dog with one ear <laughs> up and one ear down and woeful looking brown eyes, right? And sandy and probably mangy and Lord only knows what. Well, didn't the dog start running with us down the beach? And I mean, I was so shaken up that the palm trees scared me. That's how traumatized I was. But the dog took us maybe just a kilometer down the beach and the dog took us back and we felt safer. And lo and behold, over the next days and weeks, every time we went to the beach, the dog was there. And I bought a dog brush and started (laughs) brushing the dog and crying into his fur and telling him how scared I was and all these kind of things. And, you know, people tell us that we, you know, eventually we rescued the dog and we named him Rufus, who's still with us today. But people would say, they'll say, oh, you and Martin are so wonderful that you rescued that dog. But we know that the dog rescued us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he had just been abandoned. That's the part of the story. He had just been abandoned by his owner and left on the beach. At the same moment that we had been attacked brutally. Now, you ask me, how does that actually happen if it's not soul-powered? Right, right. Absolutely. For you, it's not just a glimpse. For those who are just stepping into soul power, you know, the knowing can get really unstable because we're still human in a dysfunctional world, right? And when you're breaking out of that, when you're breaking out of the 3D matrix, to borrow from the Matrix movie, the faith in yourself, as much as it's getting stronger, there's also the traces of doubt. So you're kind of in between these two worlds of fear and soul power. The more you get glimpses of your soul power, the more you move forward. And for you, it's like, Evidence upon evidence upon evidence. It's the life that you were living. And it's just amazing. And when you have that as a foundation, of course, you're going to create more soul-powered reality. Yeah, you said that beautifully. Yeah, what you said. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And because then you start to recognize, at least I do, when something is true and authentic in this deep, soul-powered way. I just know. Opportunities, I can tell. My body feels a certain way, and I just know. And so then I go for it. Yeah. And so you mentioned before the call, and for those who don't know you, and that's why you were saying is, was, you know, when talking about your husband, are you able to share something about your current experience with that? or we can... uh, Yeah, I would be delighted to. So, you know, there's no question that he is up till now the great love of my life. And about 12 days ago, this wonderful great love of my life died. And there were so many things about that experience, like, he had a deathbed chat with me. He told me it was time to go. He told me that he was really worried about me, but it was his time to go. He professed such love, like, you know, it was something like out of a movie. And I think it was very, I just used the word soul-powered. I also agreed that it was time for him to go. I know how much he loved me, and he knew how much I loved him. And so I could tell him, don't worry about me. I'll be fine. Not actually having a clue how I'm going to be fine without this great love, but knowing that it was his time to go. And so that was a very sacred time to be with him as he was leaving his body. And then attached to that, is that on Christmas Eve, you know, we got kind of mad at our church a bunch of years ago. And so we, but this particular Christmas Eve, Tess, I wanted to go to 
Christmas Eve service. And last year when we went to Christmas Eve service, when they got to the part about Silent Night and lighting the candles, they didn't light candles. You used your flashlight on your smartphone. <laughs> that didn't do it. That didn't do it for Martin and I. So this year, in this way that I'm familiar with, okay, I kept going around trying to find a church that would do Silent Night with real candles. And we went in this long roundabout way back to the church that we had been going to before we got mad at them. Um, And we sat in the balcony and a woman minister came out and she was so welcoming people of all faiths, whatever reason you were there, um, she welcomed you. Whatever your understanding of God or the universe was, she welcomed us, okay? And I sat there almost transfixed, and sure enough, they played Silent Night, and sure enough, we passed our candles. And then he died not long after. And I went to the church, and I said to the minister, we haven't been here much, but will you hold his service here? His service celebrating his life. And she said, of course, we'll hold his service. And we picked the music that was perfect for him. And I stood up and spoke about our lives together and about love and eternal love. And I truly believe that it was a soul-powered decision to go to that Christmas Eve service on that night in that balcony, and that then it opened the door for him to have the most magnificent service for him. Isn't that something? It's beautiful. It, you know, goosebumps. And, yeah. And, and so many levels, you know, clear up misunderstandings, go back, forgiveness, you know, come full circle. So, so many um, layers there that we can unpack. How how soon after the service did he transition? Let me see. He We were there Christmas Eve and he died January 12th. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And now, in this period of my grief, which I would not, in what I don't want anybody to think it's easy because it's not easy. It's excruciating. The pain is as excruciatingly hard as the love was deep. It's also a sacred time. And it's also a time where I know through the way that I live my life by my soul, it's holding me. It's holding me because would you remember a few minutes ago, I said that I grew up in a dysfunctional house and it gave me this center. Yes. A soul powered center. That's what it gave me. And then being married to Martin for, the best part of 40 years and experiencing that unconditional pure love that grew and I'm going to be okay. I'm going to find a way and I am going to continue to live a soul powered life with a love that's eternal. Right. Oh, Susie, I love your story. I love everything that you've shared. It's living from the power of the soul and not be tainted or even labeled or or stuck in the dysfunctional world you lived in. Yeah, when I was joking around earlier, I wanted to read your soul realignment. You're one of those people that just builds, you know, building, uh, uh, literally building heaven on earth. And I love that story of yours. You know, it, it's it's not just a pattern. It was your way of life. It was your way of being uh, from the stories you told me. 
and um, that's just amazing to live. I have, I say this a lot, you know, be stubborn, but be stubborn in the pursuit of your own soul, in living your soul. And I I feel that in you, but I, I sense you were not being stubborn about it. There was a natural flow to you. Whereas for me, I had to fight it, <laughs> to fight, to, 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 to walk the path, um, because there were a lot of uh, forces that, you know, didn't want me to question uh, a lot of the things, the programming, the cultural programming, the religious programming, and so it was. It was always a battle to speak my truth. Whereas for you, it felt like this is your uh, the way of life you're showing to people that it's it's absolutely possible for us to not just dream about, but to actually physically create heaven on earth here. And you've shown us through your story. I'm so glad that you've given me this opportunity to talk with you and share it. And I hope that it helps others. I really hope other people hear when you speak and I speak and understand yeah. what it means. Yeah. And, and grief, uh, as we were talking um, off the air before we got on, when you really sit with it and you allow it and and I know you know this because you're in it. But for a lot of people, um, most people are even afraid of grief. And with my mom's passing in 2021 on my birthday, uh, my grief was tainted with a lot of blame. A blame on how she died. She died on a cold floor, alone. Um, her family couldn't go see her during the lockdown and so there was a the, the grief that i felt um at that time i had to weave through a lot of the the blame and pointing fingers and i was pointing fingers at the canadian government at the border closing down uh for a whole year i couldn't see her so there was a lot of forgiveness i had to go through to get to the pain of grief, to be with the grief, which is so amazingly beautiful. And the only reason I got to experience that kind of pure grief that opens up the heart and soul is when my Charlie, my my dog of 14 years, passed away. There was no blame there. It was just right. grief. It's different. It's so it's different, isn't it? Grief, yeah. And to sit with that grief and to to sit with the fear of, will I ever be loved unconditionally again? And for me to say yes to the yes of what you're saying, exactly what you're saying, yes, I'm going to be okay. It's in, And that love becomes eternal. That love becomes a part of you. And that love becomes the legacy that you're leaving behind for everyone to have a glimpse on and, and uh, have hope for a better way of connecting with themselves and eventually to soul power. 100%. You said that just perfectly beautifully. Thank you. Thank you. And although I, I am, that's in my, uh, I, I can show you my vision board here, you know, sacred union. And that's something for me that I'm aspiring to that I'm fully intending and holding. And um, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Maybe I'll come back around <laughs> the next trip to Earth. <laughs> I'll finally get it. But I'm not uh, losing hope that it's because it's in my awareness. It's in my soul. I know it's going to happen. And thank you for showing me that it actually happens. So, so through you, um, I got to experience the spirit of Martin. I got to, to experience the spirit of unconditional love through your union, the sacred union that I know is possible for me too. Uh, well, thank you for just sharing this with me. And also to say that this has been a soul-powered conversation for me, right? Because mm -hmm. it's an opportunity to share the love. And the grief. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, you've honored me. You've honored my soul, Susie, for coming on to the show. And who knew, right? We booked this appointment months ago. I and know. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. See, that's what I mean. Like, who knew? Who knew yeah. that it would, that it might, I mean, when we first booked it, and when I thought about our conversation, there were some similarities I would have shared about the island and Rufus and my house, you know, but I didn't know that I would be where I am now. And I feel like that's soul powered, right? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, amazing. Susie, I know a lot of people would love to be able to connect with you. How can they connect with you? they could come to coachsusiegiddy.com. I also have a blog called allaboutresiliency.com, ah. which helps people to understand how we move through these kinds of times, right? Oh, I, Susie, you just made me your fan today. <laughs> Thank you. And that, folks, that's Susie. An amazing soul, living her soul-powered lifestyle, living from the knowing of the soul. And uh, I am just so humbled and amazed by the conversation we just had today. So hope you enjoyed that. Uh, thank you all so much. And do check out her blog post. Do check out her website. And uh, elevate her in your love today as you're listening to this having just lost someone who's been her partner for all these years it's gonna feel weird for her but it's also gonna be an amazing exploration of her own strength of her own possibilities with the foundation of the love that they share together and their island and everything they've done with that as her foundation, yes, she'll be okay. And you will be okay too. If you are inspired to walk this path to soul power, say yes. And that's all that needs to happen for right now. Is just say yes to your yes. Say yes to your soul. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Vergara. We can no longer be the spectators of our own destruction. Take back your mind, take back your voice, take back your soul, take back your power. Join me again next time for the next episode of Soul Power to the People.